Good morning, friends and family. Pastor Rick here. Today we have a special message for you. I was looking in our, in our church archives and I came across this blast from the past. It's a Mother's Day message from the I Am series we did a few years ago. One thing I love about God's word is that it, it never changes from then to now and far into the future. So we hope that you are blessed by this message today. Gather your friends and your family. Oh, and by the way, have a happy and blessed Mother's Day. We love you, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the privileged pastor of this church. We're in, a, in the middle of a series that we've entitled I Am. Before I go into that message, just, let me just say, happy Mother's Day, mamas. 17 years ago today, our church started our Mother's Day. Amen? If you were here, if you were here 17 years ago... Let me hear a shout out. If you were here 17 years ago. Oh, there's a couple of you. We've grown just a little bit in 17 years, haven't we, huh? And so we're grateful to the Father for what he's done in our lives. We're grateful for, for the ministry. We had our church picnic yesterday. Who was here for the church picnic? Oh, man, if, if you were not here for the church picnic, uh, you missed it. You just missed a good one. It was awesome. We started out with uh, seven people who said they wanted to get baptized and we ended up with almost 17 <laughs> that ended up getting baptized. And I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that as we go on. But we're in the middle of a series, a series entitled I Am, in, in which we're learning who Jesus really is, and we're hearing Jesus describe himself in his own words, in his own words. It's, a, it's one thing to hear somebody just tell you about Jesus. It's another thing for Jesus to tell you about himself, Amen. And so he describes himself in his own words. Now, concerning who he is, he told us in John 8, chapter, uh, ch John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, he said, I am. I am. Now, when he made that statement, I hope that if you've been here for the last two weeks, that we have established that this was a reference to his divinity. Amen. He was, he, was, he was using the same words that, 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 uh, that God told Moses. Who should I say is sending me? You tell them that I am, that I am is sending me. Now concerning how he's described himself, well, the first week he says, I am the bread of life. And we learned that the bread of life does a few things. It saves, it sustains, it, it satisfies, and it secures us. Last week he says, I am the light of the world. And the light of the world does a few things as well. It reveals God. It exposes darkness. And when light shows up, how many know it transforms everything? Amen? When light shows up, it transforms everything. And so this week, and the title of this morning's message, if you haven't already guessed it, is Jesus said, I am the door, or I am the gate. And we get that in John chapter 10, verse 7. And this is what he says. Then Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I have come that they might have life, and that life may, may have it more abundantly. Amen? 
Now, before we go any further into this message called I Am the Dawn, I, 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 there's a point that I want us to ponder. It's on your outline. The very first thing I want you to consider is that not every door is God's door. And not every path of pursuit is God's plan for your life. Can I say that again? Not every door of opportunity is God's door, and not every path of pursuit is God's plan for your life. Now, we don't have to go any further than the scriptures to see this borne out, that even though God had a plan for David, and he said he was a man after his own heart, how many know that David made some mistakes? Come on, somebody. David went through some doors that God had not established for him, and because he did, he paid the price. Same with Moses. Moses didn't see the promised land because he decided to make a way where, the, where God didn't want him to go. Come on, somebody. And he, and he got a chance to look at the promised land, even though he was promised to go, but he never made it over. There was Saul and Samson and the apostle Paul even. They all took paths that were contrary at some point in their lives to the will of God. Listen to me. And it cost them. And it cost them. Some of them, it cost their lives. We all heard of Jonah, right? Jonah was, was told by God specifically to go preach the gospel to the, to the Ninevites. They were, they were in need of hearing the good news and to repent of their sins or the place was going to go down. And Jonah got the word of the Lord to go to Nineveh, and the first thing he did was he jumped on a boat to Tarshish in the opposite direction. No way, Lord, am I going that way. So he decided to take a path that was totally different. Anybody remember the story of Jonah? How'd that work out for him? <laughs> Not too well, because the Bible says that, that, that along came this big old wind and, and a storm, and everything starts to be tumultuous. These are seasoned sailormen, and they cannot figure out how to break out of this thing, and they, felt, they figured like they were all going to die until they all decided somebody on this boat has messed with God. Come on, somebody. Somebody has messed up because this is unnatural. And Jonah stood up and he said, it's me. The only solution is to throw me overboard. Come on. And in throwing him overboard, God sent a fish, swallowed him up, and deposited him on the, on, on the shoreline of Nineveh where he was supposed to go in the first place. I'm talking to somebody in here today. Because a lot of times we want to, God's plan for us, we want to force it, we want to go in a different direction, and then those winds of adversity comes. Thank God for those winds. Because if God doesn't send those winds of adversity, we will stay on the wrong course. We will stay in the path that God has not planned for us. So, so Jonah was one of those who took a door, took a path that was contrary to what God had for him. My Bible says that he knows the plans he has for us. Amen? plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. If God knows the plans he has for us, then he wants us to pursue him so that we can find out those plans. Amen? He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so when Jesus said, I am the door, what was he saying? He was saying that if you, if you will follow after my plan, I, I'm, I'm going to show you some things. You're going to walk in the, into the blessings that I have called you to. But at the same time, not every door 
is God's door for your life. And I want to establish that right from the word go. So the key to unlocking God's door, listen to me, I want you to write this down, is Jesus himself. Is Jesus himself. And with that, I want to give you a couple instructions and some directions that Jesus would give us on this Mother's Day service. Jesus tells us, when he tells us that, that most assuredly I can say to you, I am the door of the sheep, what is he telling us? Obviously, he's saying that as long as you're following the right path, as long as you're following hard after me, he gives us these instructions. When it comes to making decisions, write this down. He says, just keep knocking. Just keep knocking. Now, what does that mean? How do we keep knocking? Folks, you keep knocking through prayer. You keep knocking through talking to God and being in communion, daily communion with Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us this story. Verse 5. Then Jesus teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and wanted to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is already locked for the night, my family and I are in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, come on, somebody needs to hear me this morning, he will get up <laughs> and he will give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. In other words, this person's going to keep me up all night. Let me just get up and go down and give him what he wants because he persists in what, he, what he's requesting. So Jesus makes this point. And so I tell you, so I tell you, keep on asking and what will happen? You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the Bible says, Jesus says, the door will be open. And so what is he saying? He's telling us that through persistent prayer, and, a, a, and the caveat is, according to his will, as long as I'm praying according to his will, he says, he will open those doors if we consistently and fervently ask him. The doors in our lives. Now, some of us, can I just say this? When it comes to important things in our lives, a lot of times we just give up way too easy. We throw in the towel way too easy. I heard somebody say concerning prayer, apply this model, the push prayer. You ever heard that one? Pray until something happens. Pray until, write that down somewhere on your outline. Pray until something happens. And what does that apply to? What does it apply to your children? Your children going in the wrong direction? Grandchildren going the wrong direction? Well, Pastor Rick, I prayed, I prayed last week. I prayed, and nothing's changed. Pray until something happens. Amen? 
Keep praying for them. What, what about if there's a sickness in your body? Listen, pray until something happens. If you've got financial issues going on in your life, pray until something happens. Amen? My Bible calls him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so these are prayers that, that, that we are asking according to his will. So pray until something happens in your life. If you need a breakthrough, the Bible says to pray until something happens. Amen? Stop just throwing in the towel. Now, I'm not saying be persistent in prayer for stuff that's not God's will for my life, Pastor Rick. <laughs> when I was in Jamaica a few years ago, I was uh, with the prophet Henry. They call him the prophet Henry because he had his prophetic gifting. At the end of his service, when I preached there, he had this prayer line. And in the prayer line, there were people that the prayer line went outside the door. And there were people in that line for all sorts of reasons. There was a couple, couple sickness in their body. They're feeling oppressed. Something going on. We prayed for all of them. But there was a few of these ladies that came up to me during that prayer line and said, Pastor, 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 can you pray for me? I said, what would you like to pray for? Pray, pray my mind. Pray my mind. Come back to me. Me have picnic with him. Or little children with him. Picnic children, right? I'm trying. I'm trying not to butcher the language, Mama. I'm trying. Okay. Okay. But the problem is, <laughs> their man left them for somebody else, but it was their wives that they were with. So they wanted me to pray that the, that the, work, that the man would leave the wife to come be with. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So there are prayers that you can pray that's according to God's will and that you can expect them to happen. But there are prayers... Anybody following me this morning? The answer is going to be no. Lord, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray, pray that that, that guy break up with his, with his girl so I can date him. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and the only way you're going to know God's will, what his plan is, you got to read his Bible, right? So you can pray according to his will. He tells us. Next thing Jesus tells us, when it comes to prayer, communication, or getting those doors open in our lives, he tells us, as his children, that we are to enter boldly. Write down even confidently. Confidently. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his, help me somebody, his mercy, and we will find, what? Grace to help us when we need it the most. In other words, my Bible says the moment I accept Jesus Christ in my life, in my heart, he deposits his spirit inside of me. And the spirit inside of me doesn't say, you know, you're a redheaded stepchild or, or, or you are inconvenient in, in my life. No, the spirit inside of me cries out, literally is what it says, Abba, or Daddy, or Father. In other words, he says, when, when it comes to going into God's presence, you are now family. Amen? When, when, I've got my grandkids in the house right now, and it's funny because, because right, right now they're, they're, they're running throughout the house, and, and, and even though you got the door closed, if you don't lock the door, how many know you're in trouble? Because you don't lock the door, boom! Hey, Grandpa! Hey, Pop, Pop! And I hear mama say, uh, you should knock before you go in. <laughs> yes, you should knock before you go in. But, but, but what did I say? Get out of my room? No. I said, come here. 
Come here, come here, give me a hug. Deborah was in the shower this morning. She said, what was all that commotion in the room? I said, the grandkids came in to tell Pop Pop he, they love him. Amen. And there's a big old commotion going on. They, actually, they came looking for her, but she was in the shower. <laughs> so I was the side beneficiary. So my Bible says concerning my relationship with the Father that I can come, listen, boldly into his throne room. Amen. And I could, I could go in with that spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And then he says, he says what, what we need the most, what we, those prayer requests, he says, in, in light of those prayer requests, well, God's going to provide us two very important ingredients that we can confidently ask for what we need. He says, concerning every single one of us, he says, he says you will receive mercy. Someone say mercy. And you will receive grace. Someone say grace. Mercy and grace. Now, this is beautiful to me because a lot of times people won't even come to church. You know why? They told me this before. I'm afraid the church is going to fall in. And people hear me tell this all the time because I have, to, I have my, one, my one answer. Listen to me, God. God, God, listen to me, listen to me. I'm afraid that the roof is going to collapse. And usually behind that is that they know they're doing something in their lives. And, and, and really they need God, but they figure once they walk in the holy ground, the place is going to burn up or something like that. I'm like, listen, 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 listen. Listen, if, if God is not going to mess up my church to get to you, he knows where you live. <laughs> you are safe. <laughs> and the cool thing about it is he says, you got me all wrong because it's not about me trying to get you that way. Yes, he's trying to get you, but not that way. Because he says, I want you to come boldly into my presence so that I can give you two things. What, what, two things that you're going to need. You're going to need mercy. Someone say mercy. And you're going to need grace. Mercy says, mercy pardons me from getting the punishment I deserve. Lord, don't give me what I deserve. I want justice. Don't ask God for justice. Because you want to get just what you deserve. When I go to God, I don't ask for justice. <laughs> I ask for mercy. It, get, it pardons me and, and, and from getting the punishment I deserve. And grace is even better because grace blesses me in spite of myself. It gives me what I don't deserve. In other words, he puts me in a place of honor because, not because I'm good, because he's good. And he wants to bless his children. So when he says, I'm going to get, come into my house, come boldly into my throne room, and you're going to get two things. You're going to, when, when it comes to your prayer request, understand I've got two pillars already set up for you. I've got the pillar of mercy and I've got the pillar of grace. I want to bless you. I want to give you. I want to forgive you. I want, I want to honor you. I want to bless you. Don't be afraid. John 10, 9 says, says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in, and he will come out, and he will find pasture. You know what that speaks to me? It speaks to me of access. It speaks to me of, of relationship. It speaks to me of, of, of provision and care. We see this in Psalms 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, help me somebody, help me somebody. I lack Nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is on my side. And he says, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Folks, concerning God, because of Jesus, we're blessed. 
and we're, and we're blessed because we're forever in his presence. Uh, I, I don't know how best to explain this to you, but when it comes to God and Jesus in our lives, the deck is stacked in our favor. And he's the great shuffler, and he's dealing you a winning hand. Come on, somebody. He wants you to feel his blessing. He wants you to come into relationship with him. And that's only found in his presence. So he says, knock and keep knocking and enter boldly into his presence. And then he said, he says it again. He says, he says, I'm the door. And you know what else a door represents? A door represents a place of, write this down, safety and security. Safety and security. Now, what do we need that for? Well, folks, he, he tells us why we need that. Because there's an enemy out there. The very next verse he says in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So when he says he's the door, the door does something. It keeps the people inside safe and it keeps the evil outside out. Come on, somebody. And so all these folks we hear in the news today, all these folks that have problems with doors and fences and barriers, folks, I don't get it. Because deep down, neither do the people who complain. You know how I know? Because those same people who are complaining about doors and fences and barriers live in gated communities with alarmed houses and security guards at the front gate. Come on, somebody. Is anybody listening to me today? And, 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 and why do they do that? Because they want to be safe. They want a barrier between them and whatever it is that they don't want in their life. Well, doors and barriers offer safety and security, and that's exactly what Jesus offers to every single one of us. Because there's a thief that's out there who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And in the very next verse, he says, I, I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, all others are, are hirelings. When trouble comes, he says, the, and they see the wolf coming or the robber coming, he said, these are not my sheep. And so they run because they say, you know what, I'm not going to risk my life. For, for, I'm, 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 I'm a hireling. I'm, I'm a renter cop. Come on, somebody. I mean, put yourself in that position. We had that tragedy that happened at Stoneman Douglas. And one of the police officers, or a couple of those police officers who had armed weapons on them, heard all that stuff going on, stayed out in his car while 17 kids lost their lives. And then trying to argue the protocol of it. I think that's why, what's his name, got canned. I mean, it makes no sense. You've got guns. You're there to protect the kids, and no one goes in? Well, Jesus said that's how the hireling acts. When problems come, <laughs> your life ain't worth my life. And so it runs. When Jesus turns around, he says, well, that's not me. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, when problems come to my sheep, it's literally, if it's got to get to my sheep, he says, it's going to be over my dead body. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And folks, that's exactly what Jesus did for every single one of us. If you've not heard it yet, <laughs> that's exactly what he did for every single one of us in this room. We need those doors to keep out what's not supposed to be there. It reminds me of that old, I think it's a Caribbean song, mama. I think that's the first time I've heard it. Anybody ever heard it? Shut the door, shut the door, shut the door, keep out the devil. Help me out. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, the door, keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything's. How many, come on, how many I say? Say, shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, the door, keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything. I'm going to ask you to look at somebody say, shut the door, keep out. Look somebody else say, shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, the door, keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything's all right. Light the candle. For some of you, amen, to God be the glory. For some of you in this room today, the Spirit of the Lord is telling you to shut the door. Shut the door on that thing that the enemy is using to try to steal, kill, and destroy you. We're going to have an opportunity to respond to that by the end of this service. Amen? And so in Psalms 23, it says this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. So when I, when I stay close to Christ, the stuff that used to rattle me before doesn't rattle me like, I, like it used to. Any, can I get a witness out there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those things that used to have my lunch, the closer I get to the Lord and I stay to the door, my good shepherd, it, 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 ain't, it, ain't, it ain't rocking my world like it used to because he's in my life. Matter of fact, listen, listen, to, what, listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He said, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all, won't, we also give, won't he also give us everything else? Since he didn't, think about that for a moment, guys. If he didn't spare his own son, his own son, his only son, but gave his son up for you. Those of you who are so concerned that God is going to strike you dead if you come close to him. He says, listen, you don't know my heart. If I was willing to lay down the life of my own son, how much more am I willing to give for you? Is that a good translation? Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. 
Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting on the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch this. Pleading for us. You want to know what Jesus is doing? He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's right there because he's the good shepherd. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am right there for you from, from the beginning to the end. Everybody else may turn their back on you. Not Jesus. Come on, somebody. I said this last week. No matter what the question is, Jesus is the answer. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? And let me give you the fourth thing that Jesus does if we put our trust in him is he will unlock those doors in our lives, those doors of blessings. How many know there's not a door that God can't get through? Come on, somebody. There's not a door that he can't get through, over or under. There's nothing that can keep Jesus out if he wants to be in, except maybe doubt and unbelief. We'll talk about some of that. But this is what the Bible says in Revelation 3, verse 7. It says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you. Help me, somebody. I've placed before you an open door that no one could shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, yet you have kept my word, yet you have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they're not but are liars, I will make them come out and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Folks, what God opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And so for the believer, he promises to open doors for us. He says, I've set before you an open door. What kind of door? Uh, the door of opportunity. Come on, somebody. The door of blessings. The door of deliverance. Some of you are holding on to things that God says, listen, the door's right here. Walk through this door so you can start to get free from those things. The door for healing, the door of victory. He says, I've set before you an open door, and I'm asking you to, to walk through it, to walk through it. But what was the catalyst for the door that God set before the church of Philadelphia? He said, I've set before you an open door, but there's something that you guys are doing that's allowing me. He says, you are keeping my word, and you are not denying my name. Turn to someone and say, say we've got to know his word. Come on, somebody. I've got to hold on to his name, not be unashamed, not, not be ashamed of his name. And so some of us, we need to let God open these doors in our lives, the doors of faith and faithfulness and hope and purpose and, and, and start squashing or closing the door to, to sin and doubt and pride and sinful patterns. And how about this one? Compromise. We need to start closing the doors to the door of bitterness. In fact, Bitterness and unforgiveness 
will hinder God's blessing in your life. He tells us these are one of the things that even though I've set before you an open door, if you choose to continue to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness, he says you're going to keep hitting a wall. I pray for people for deliverance all the time. And that's one of the things that when we go to that prayer time, let's take care of this whole issue of forgiveness and bitterness. Because I could sit there and struggle for hours trying to get whatever it is off of somebody. And the root cause is the enemy feels like it has a right to be there tormenting you because you refuse to let go of the things that were done or said to you. Bitterness and unforgiveness hinders the blessings that God has for your life. Who's God asking you to release so that you can walk through the blessing of an open door in your life? Let me give you the fifth and final door. Last but not least, in fact, it's probably the most important. It's the doors or the key of salvation and service. Salvation and service. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Matthew 7, 13 says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Let me say that again because some of you phased me out. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Folks, Jesus is that narrow gate through which we all must be saved. And Jesus said he didn't just call us to salvation. Salvation is the most important thing. Coming to the place where you trust him. Yesterday was a glorious day because, again, we started with seven. We ended with 17 that were in the line for baptism. And some of, and some, some of them admittedly get caught up in what we're doing, which I don't mind because you know what that does? It gives me an opportunity <laughs> to tell them about Jesus. Family came that um, I was just about to end out our time of, with the team, the, the group that was going to go get baptized at the beach. And then they showed up at the, uh, toward the end of it. They said, do we still have time? I said, well, well, how many? God bless them. There was like five of them. <laughs> and they said, Pastor Rick, you may not remember me, but we were at your first baptism 16 years ago. You baptized me and my husband. You married us. I remember them. And apparently, when they left, they left with a blessing because they came back with five children <laughs> who they also wanted me to baptize <laughs> and to pray a blessing over them. I said, but the most important thing is when you go for baptism, you got to understand that if you go in the water and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to get wet. There's no magic in the water, okay? God called us to a relationship 
with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's from that moment I started telling him about Jesus, and I asked, have you guys accepted the Lord? And the children, I think one of them had, and the rest of them hadn't. I said, well, let me tell you the good news about Jesus. And right there and right then, I told them about Jesus. And they all gave their hearts to Jesus right there on the beach, right there on the thing. Amen. Amen. And so I said, next time anybody asks you, when did you give your heart to the Lord? I said, when did you do it? They said, today, Pastor Rick. Today I gave my heart to Jesus. The most important thing is getting right with God, understanding that the grace that God has poured out, he poured out for every single one of us. The good shepherd laid down his life for, the, for his sheep, and he says, you are the sheep of my pasture. And all who come, he says, I won't lose any of you. He says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So, so, salvation is paramount. He doesn't force. Speaking of doors, the scripture literally says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. It says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will be their God and they will be my people. And so he doesn't say I'm going to knock the door down. He's a polite God. He's, he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm waiting. And for some of you, under the sound of my voice, God has been waiting and patiently knocking for a long time. Today is your day. Today is your day. The Bible says, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as they did in rebellion. The reason he said, don't harden your heart, can I just say this? Because God, by his spirit, calls us. And something inside of your spirit resonates as, oh my goodness, it's true. But the more you keep saying no to the voice of the spirit in your life, the more you keep rejecting the call of God that, has, that he places on you, the voice gets lighter and lighter because you're starting to harden your heart toward him. Does that make sense? And so he says, today if you hear my voice, he says, don't harden your heart because at some point you've heard this gospel presentation so many times and you've managed to reject it so many times. You've now walked away from the grace and the mercy of God. And in last week's series, he, he says, I am the light of the world. And in that very same text, he said to them, he says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I'm the one that God sent to pay the penalty for your sins, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that when you place your trust in him, you will have forgiveness. But he says, unless you believe that, he says, you're going to die in your own sins. And the Bible says, all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you've got to acknowledge that you need him. You've got to come to the place in your heart where you recognize, yes, I've blown it. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one person. And you are not the exception. All of us fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. And the death it's talking about is not a physical death. Everybody dies physically. A hundred years from now, no one's going to be, no one in this room is going to be in this room. 
It's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about, the Bible calls it the second death. And the second death speaks to that every person has a life-breathed spirit. You know how I know? Because the Bible says, God gave it to you. That's your soul. That's, that's the real you. The real you inside of you will live forever somewhere. You have an eternal spirit that will live forever somewhere. That when this flesh grows old and falls to the ground, your spirit's going to live on. And the second death that the Bible refers to is being eternally separated from the presence of the Lord because you have managed to reject the voice of the Spirit your entire life. You only have this life. You only have this life. While there's breath in your lungs, someone take a breath. While you still got a pulse and blood running through your vein, the voice of the Lord says to you, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. This is your opportunity. For me, I don't understand it because I don't remember ever hearing the gospel until I heard it for the first time. I heard it and I said, oh my goodness, that something inside of me said, it's true. I started weeping in the presence of a good God in my life. But some people manage to hear the gospel over and over and over and never respond. You're hardening your heart. And it's not that God doesn't want to save you. He wants to save you. It's that you've rejected him. You've closed your heart to him. And in order to receive the grace, in order to receive that number one open door of salvation, you've got to open your heart. I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, he says, then I'll come in and I'll be your God and you will be my people. And the promise is I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. All your sin debt laid on Jesus completely wiped away not so you can continue to walk in it like the woman that was caught from last week in adultery that sin almost killed her Jesus says neither do I condemn you but then he says go and leave your life of sin he doesn't want you to stay stuck he wants you to open the door to his blessings and his grace and he wants you to shut the door to the things that the enemy's trying to do in your life to hurt you and to pull you down. Does that make sense? But it starts with you saying yes to him. And then God doesn't call us just to salvation. Once you walk through that door of salvation, he, will, he calls you to a door of service. He says, the greatest of you will serve. And so it's not just here to sit, but you're gonna find your place in the body of Christ. And you're gonna allow your, your God-given gifts and your abilities to bless somebody else, whether it's children's ministry or whether it's technical or service or something. 
God didn't just place you here just to say, okay, you're just gonna come here and listen to Pastor Rick tell funny stories. That's not what it's all about. There are people that God wants to reach through you, but he can't do it unless you say, I need you in my life and I'm willing to surrender. So as we come to the close of the service today, have you accepted Jesus yet? Have you heard that still small voice calling you? Have you responded? If no, why not? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you would like to, it'd be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. When everyone will bow their heads and close their eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that I've blown it in many ways. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to open the door of salvation for my life. Today, I hear you knocking and I choose to open that door and walk through it. Come into my life and come into my heart and fill me with your spirit. Thank you for dying on the cross. Three days later, rising from the dead, I believe you are the Messiah. And from this day on, I place my trust in you. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it, only those who meant it, slip up your hand and say, Pastor Rick, I prayed that prayer with you. Slip it up, way up, way up, way up. I see it. Hands going up all over the place. Amen. Amen. Hands going up all over the place. Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it.